0: Today, if you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of James. It's over toward the end of the New Testament. It goes Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. So just march back from Revelation and uh, you'll get there. I want you to kind of go with me today through the text. We're going to be dealing with each of these verses. And, uh, you know, we learn so much better when we see it and hear it and, uh, look at it all at the same time. I want to talk to you about the victory over temptation. It's great to have a victory, isn't it? And this is an important area that we need to do that. I want to talk with you this morning about what James says about man's oldest problem. And man's oldest problem is temptation. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. You know, we all face this at one time or another along the way. Oscar Wilde once said, the only way to get rid of temptation is to give in to it. (laughs) The Bible talks about two different kinds of testing. One is called trials, and one is called temptation. Both of these come from the same Greek word. To distinguish between them, trials are situations designed by God to bring us closer to him it helps us grow spiritually you know if everything was flat and plain and easy we wouldn't grow much so as we have trials we really grow in the Lord the other one temptations are situations designed by Satan to cause us to sin so that's the difference Verse 12, our first verse, let's look at that together. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial or temptation, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want you to know that there is a great reward for all of you that move past temptation and move Uh, to follow the Lord Jesus in your daily walk, in your daily life. A tremendous blessing, a crown that he will give. The first, uh, it says, blessed. I'm sure you remember the word blessed is a word that means uh, happy in English. That's the way you could translate it the best. Happiness comes from having your life under control so there's no bad habit that is devastating you when you know how to say no to temptation that produces a happiness in your life the question is how do I win over temptation well in our text today James really lays it out for us that's why I wanted you to kind of follow along with me verse by verse There are five ways that we can absolutely win over any kind of temptation that we might have. Number one is be realistic. Uh, The first uh, words in verse 13, it says, when tempted. Sometimes uh, Christian people say to me, Pastor, do do Christians get tempted? We certainly do. It certainly uh, comes right at us. Even Christians get tempted all the time. Now notice it says when, not if. When tempted. Have you ever met one of those real pious saints that's walking around and uh, they say something like this, I am just so thankful to the Lord that I haven't had any temptation in my life in these last 42 years. (laughs) You know, there's a word for that. And the word is baloney. That's the word, baloney. Everybody is tempted. You're tempted, I'm tempted, we're all tempted. We never get too old for it. We never get too spiritual for it. Now, the fact is, the closer you grow to the Lord, the more you're tempted. Uh, You know, that's the way it works. It's a fact of life. There is a misconception that once you trust in the Lord, uh, you have it all together, and everything's going to go your way. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Did you get that last part? Common to man. In other words, this happens to all of us with some regularity. That means that we are all in the same boat. Some of you, perhaps even today, are caught in a compromising situation. I cannot tell you how many people have come to me over the years and said, Pastor, I have struggled with this problem for years and years and years. And I've never mentioned to anybody but uh, you right now. And I always try and say to them, you know, you're not the only one to be facing this kind of thing. See, we all think that our problems, our trials, our temptations are unique to us and nobody else has ever faced anything like that. Well, that's wrong. Uh, There's millions of people that are facing the same thing, the same temptation that you're facing. But it's a very liberating feeling to know that and to know that you're not alone, that in the family of God there are many that are struggling with the same things that you are. The fact is we all have many of the same struggles. If you want to overcome a bad habit, you have to be realistic about it. Admit that you are tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to the temptation. I meet a lot of Christians who think, How in the world could I have had such a thought if I, as I have just had? Where'd that come from? Well, I'll tell you. The devil puts that in your mind. Some people say, Well, how could I have been tempted In such a horrible way. I've been a Christian for 70 years. How in the world could I be tempted by that? Because you're human. That's how. Temptation proves that you are human. Not that you're evil. That comes at all of us. Now a second way to win over temptation is to be responsible. We have to accept the responsibility of it. Don't blame other people. For the problems that you have. Look at verse 13. Let's look at that together. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt us. Uh, Will Rogers said, you can summarize American history in two great movements. The passing of the buffalo and the passing of the buck. That's what we're trying to pass. Uh, The passing of the buck. We are a society of irresponsibility. We have a few millennials in the service today, but uh, I want to say to you, you know, you're perhaps in the worst group for this. You know, the millennials may not think, that's not my fault, that's somebody else's fault. You know, I didn't do anything. It's their fault. Uh, You know, we have uh, that kind of uh, answer. We blame everybody but ourselves. Years ago, I was doing a big wedding in Texas, and uh, the family had asked a five-year-old in the family to be the ring bearer, which was a mistake. And, uh, you know, the rehearsal went well. And everybody, you know, would walk down the aisle and everybody that was in the wedding would take their places and all that. Well, the night of the wedding, all the people, about 10 people came down and they got in their place and their place. Then it was this time for this ring bearer to come. And he came down. And when he got down to the front, he kind of looked around at everybody. And then he turned around to the congregation. And in a pretty loud voice, he said, I don't know where to go. I thought that was so funny. You know, everybody there just died laughing. You know, this little boy, I said, I don't know where to go. You know, at least he owned up to it. He didn't say it was somebody else's fault. He said, I don't know where to go. Well, uh, we blame society, we blame the government, we blame the environment, we uh, blame heredity, we blame our parents, we blame our spouses. Sometimes we even blame, blame our kids. Pastor, you have no idea what I have to go through living with this person. I've heard that about a hundred times in my life. Uh, we love to blame everybody. We love to even blame God. Have you ever heard anyone say, this must be God's will, or God never would have let this happen? You know, that's called blaming God. You're blaming God for what's happened. Listen, God never contradicts his word. God is not going to tell you one thing and have his word tell you something else. If the Bible says one thing and you think God is telling you something else, you're wrong. You need to go back and do exactly what the Bible says. The fact is most of our problems uh, we bring on ourselves. I do that, you do that, everybody does that. The third way to win over temptation is to be ready. We want to be ready. Uh, we want to be on our guard. Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. we got to get ready for the battle. The fact is we need to be ready for the time the temptation comes right to us and tries to get us. Uh, temptation doesn't warn you in advance. One of the reasons temptation is so tough is because half the time you don't even know it's there until it's too late, until you've already fallen to it. It catches all of us by surprise. The fact is We are most vulnerable after we have been successful in the Lord for a period of time. We feel like, you know, everything's going well. I feel close to the Lord. Everything's okay. Uh, You know, boom. Then we get blindsided. You know, we didn't expect that, but there it was. The Bible says, let him who standeth take heed lest he fall. Every time I read that verse, I think of Bobby Leachman. Now, most of you don't remember who Bobby Leachman is. Uh, he was a guy who, at the very first of this, got in a barrel and went over Niagara Falls. Uh, he thought that would be exciting, and uh, he it was. And he went over... And went down into the water, and then the water carried him down a little bit. And part of the way down, he pushed out one end and crawled out, and everybody clapped. He wasn't hurt at all. Well, the problem was, two days later, he stepped on an orange peel and fell and broke his leg. (laughs) You know, it's the little things in life, the things that you don't expect. Those are the things, those are the temptations that grab you. The question is, how do you prepare temptation you get ready for temptation by understanding how it works now we're real fortunate because James lays it out for us in our text today how we can win over temptation Uh, he gives us a four-step process that Satan uses to tempt us so for us to be prepared to resist it We've got to understand how Satan's method of operation goes in our life. Point number one is the desires that we have. Look at verse 14. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. Talking about us. Now, listen to me. Most desires are okay, there's no problem with them. You could not uh, live without the desire to eat and to drink, and to sleep, all of those things you have to do. Our desires are God-given. There's nothing wrong with having a desire for this or that. But any desire that is out of control becomes very destructive in our lives. Satan likes to take routine desires and turn them into runaway desires. He loves to see a desire become an obsession. You're obsessed with food, you're obsessed with work, you're obsessed with sex. Usually, these are legitimate uh, desires. But when they're out of control, then they become very, very destructive in our life. Temptation is usually the fulfillment of a legitimate desire that has gone the wrong way at the wrong time. It always starts with a desire. Secondly, there is deception. Look at verse 14 again. He is dragged away and enticed. Now James uses a couple of words here from the sports world. The words dragged away is a hunter's term which means uh, caught in a snare, uh, snared in a trap. The word for entice is a fisherman's term which means lured, By the bait. Uh, Let me summarize the secret of great fishing in one sentence. The secret of great fishing is the right bait for the right kind of fish. If you got those two things together, then you're doing great. How many fish will you catch if you don't have any bait? Not many. Not many. Everyone knows that you have to put bait. On the hook. Now, let me ask you a personal question this morning. What kind of bait does the devil use to hook you? What's the bait that he's using? He knows your hot button, he knows you inside and out, he knows what turns you on, he knows what you will fall for, and he hides the hook in the bait. The crazy thing is that we often see the bait, and we know it's a temptation, but we just keep right on nibbling around the edges. Some people say to me, Pastor, back off. Just back off. I know what I'm doing. I'm an adult. I'm not going to get hurt. I know how far I can go. Well, that person is deceived. He has gone to step two. He has gone from desire to deception. Most of you know uh, about Gulfport and Biloxi, Mississippi. For years and years and years, hundreds of years, I guess, that was one of the prettiest areas in America. Just absolutely beautiful. It was kind of a family destination. I remember I went there when I was a little boy. Went fishing with my dad off of Biloxi. It was just beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. Well, guess what happened? They opened up a casino there, started making a lot of money. You know what happened then? They opened up another casino, and then they opened up another casino, and another casino, and another casino. What was once a desired vacation place now was basically a gambling place. The casino operators have made those kind of places very enticing. When you drive down the strip, you see all those lights You see all those pictures, great, huge, big pictures, all the signs, all this. It makes you want to go in. Uh, They are one gigantic lure. They look so exciting, but we don't see the hook. We just see the alluring part. We don't see the hook. It starts with a desire, and then it moves to deception because temptation is always better than it really is it just looks better it's not any better thirdly there is disobedience look at verse 15 then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin James is telling us what begins in our mind moves to action in our life the battle for your life starts with your thoughts it moves from your thoughts into a little action, a medium-sized action, a big action. First, the devil gets your attention. He knows if he can get your attention, then he has got you. People ask, well, what's the danger in a harmless fantasy? Because what starts in your mind eventually comes out in your life. It always begins in your imagination. You flirt with it, and then you fall for it. The whole purpose of television advertisement is to hook you. You know that. On a 30-minute show, they'll have 10 or 12 uh, ads, and they run those ads. Uh, They try to get you to imagine something because they know if they can get your imagination, they've got you. You're sitting there at 10 o'clock. You're watching a Rays game or the Bucks or Blue Bloods or whatever else comes on at 10 10 o'clock. And a pizza commercial comes on the TV. And you like pizzas. You think pizzas are good. And it's a hot pizza. It's not a cold pizza. It's a hot pizza. And they uh, take a piece out, and the cheese stretches all the way down. And you're thinking, boy, that looks good. Yummy, yummy. And then it shows a little steam coming off that... uh, sauce and you think boy that is good and you begin to salivate and then the clincher comes they pick up a piece of that pizza and here's the camera they take that piece of pizza and they bring it right up to your mouth and what do you do you reach over to the speed dial on your telephone you know you don't need pizza at 10 o'clock at night that's not good for you but you can't resist and of course they're saying gotcha gotcha What started in your mind became a reality. Now, if that didn't work, then nobody would advertise, and there's a lot of advertisements. We are silly if we do not think that's the way it works. Well, there's nothing wrong with thinking about it. Uh, Just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you can't look at the menu. That's what we say. That is why the Bible says, if you think it, that's step one toward doing it. And then finally, there's death. Look at verse 15. And sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. Folks, that's the tragic confident uh, consequence of giving in. You don't want to give in. That's what losing the battle causes. It causes uh, devastating Devastating results. If you overcome temptation, you get the crown of life. It's a wonderful thing, the crown of life, a great gift that the Lord gives to you. But the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. Death is spiritual separation from God. What is James saying? He's saying that we are free to choose how we want to live in this life. That's true. God has given all of us the freedom of choice. But I am not free to choose the consequences. I am free to go out and have my kicks, but I am not free to eliminate the kickbacks. So, in order to overcome temptation, in order to break a bad habit, I first must admit I have a problem. I have to be responsible for my actions. And then I get ready for understanding how temptation works. Now all of a sudden in verse 17, James does uh, uh, a peculiar thing. He switches gear. He, he changed from this topic to that topic. A fourth way to win over temptation is to be refocused. you got to refocus. Now look at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. What's happened, James? We ask. You were talking about temptation, all of a sudden, you're talking about the goodness of God. Hard to follow. Well, all of a sudden, you refocus your attention on something else. Why? Because that is the next step to overcoming temptation. Be realistic, be responsible, be ready, and then be refocused. If temptation begins in our inner thoughts, then we need to change what we're thinking about to overcome it. Now, get this. This is the thing that you want to kind of write down on your brain today. It is the principle of replacement. It is the principle of overcoming temptation. The key to overcoming temptation is not fighting temptation. You'll lose. If you're fighting temptation, you'll lose. But simply to refocus your thought. Instead of looking on what you're being tempted by, look somewhere else. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on those things. See, God wants you to direct your mind toward those things and not toward the temptation that is just anxious uh, to jump into your brain. He's saying put your mind on the goodness of God. Why? Because the more you fight the feeling, the more it grabs you. We say to ourselves, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. Well, what are you doing? It's like sitting in front of an ice cream sunda. The longer you sit there telling yourself, I don't want to feel this way, the more likely you are to eat it. <laughs> the longer you sit there focusing on what you don't want, the more you ought to be focusing On what you do want. You want to change your focus. Instead of resisting it, refocus. Turn your back on it. I'm saying don't try to argue with the devil. He is a lot better at that than you are. He's had thousands of years of practice. You don't stand a chance, and that's kind of a setup. He's far better than you are. When temptation calls, drop the receiver. Just drop the receiver. If you don't want to get stung, then get away from the bees. You know, it's, it's not hard. This isn't hard. Maybe you need to change the channel on the TV. Maybe you need to walk away from a conversation. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in the middle of a conversation and the conversation wasn't going well? And you decide, you know, the best thing I can do is just walk away. And that's what you do. You know, sometimes that is exactly what we need to do. It's just walk away. Well, maybe you need to change jobs. I know that's hard. But you've got to refocus or you're going to fall uh, to the, the evil things that this devil wants to put in your life. The last way uh, to win over temptation is to be reborn. Verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth That we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. The most important principle in breaking bad habits. Is regaining control of your life by turning your life over to God. That's the best way. Being born again gives you a new capacity to resist temptation. The fact is. You do not have enough power in your own willpower. You just just don't have enough. You've got to get God on your side. You've got to get in touch with God's power. He has all the power. And you can do anything in the world with God's power in your life. I'm saying this morning that you will be unable to say no to temptation until you first learn to say yes to God. You need His power in your life. Rebirth is the starting power to become a new person that you want to be. Now, what's your most vulnerable area? What is your weak spot? God knows what it is. The devil knows what it is. Have you figured out what it is in your life? If you haven't, you need to. Because once you do, then you'll know where and when you are most likely to fall, and you can avoid that. It's stupid to put yourself in situations that are going to tempt you at your weakest area. Lord, where do I have a weak area? Is it my temper? Is it my appetite? Is it my spending? Is it my mouth? Is it alcoholism? Is it drugs? Is it lustful thoughts? Figure out what it is, confess it to God, and then let Him have it. Let Him have it. Let him use his power against your weak area. My wife told me that the best verse in the Bible about temptation is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. Now, that is a great, great promise that's for each one of us here today. Uh, God will never put more on you than you can stand. All we need to do is turn to the Lord and have his power operative in our lives. This morning, if you're in the house and you would like to come and join with us, be a part of the Trinity Baptist Church, you'd like to be a part of a body that is trying to Implement the word of God in the world in which we live today. Come and help us do that, please. If you have never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, this would be the time. This is the time of invitation for you to come and say, that's what I want to do. I've been thinking about it, praying about it. That's what I want to do. I want to yield my life uh, to the Lord. Uh, Call on the Lord's power in these moments, and his power will come in your heart. I pray that you'll do that. I'm going to stand down here at the front as we sing. If you'll just slip out and slip forward, I'll meet you here. Let's stand together as we sing.